Welcome. This is David Barris, president of the American Association of Bank Directors. Today, we welcome Ken Thomas as our guest for Calling All Bank Directors to discuss what your bank needs to know about fair lending, fair banking, and CRA during the new Biden administration. Ken is a leading expert and author on the Community and Reinvestment Act. He was a member of the Finance Department faculty for 42 years at the Wharton School, where he taught banking and monetary economics. He's been a member of the Board of Directors of a community bank in New York for 20 years and serves as the chair of the Nominating and Corporate Governance Committee. He's the founder of Community Development Fund Advisors, the registered investment advisor to the Community Development Fund, a market rate bond fund that invests in high credit quality fixed income securities whose proceeds are designed to positively impact community development throughout the United States. The Community Development Fund is only available to banks and thrifts to help them meet the requirements of the 1977 Community Reinvestment Act, which mandates that banks and thrifts make capital available to the entire community which they serve, including low and moderate income communities. Let us know if you have any questions or requests for future podcast episodes. My email address is dbarris at aabd.org. All right, let's call Ken. Ken, today we're going to talk about what bank directors need to know on fair lending at CRA, and particularly in light of the new uh, Biden administration. Uh, and please comment on the, that aspect you know, of what you anticipate will be changes as a result of changes in leadership in the agencies or any changes in law regulation. So uh, first question, Ken, is, uh, and there's sometimes confusion uh, and where the line is drawn among board members of the differences between CRA and fair lending. A very important yet confusing and even controversial question. CRA, according to Senator Proxmire, was clearly meant to handle issues of redlining, which are geographic uh, type of discrimination based upon location and income. So it was an income-based law, whereas fair lending is clearly a race-based law. CRA, income-based, fair lending, race-based. What's happened most recently I would say within the last year, not just by politicians, people in Congress, but even some of the regulators, they are, are blending them together where they are making CRA more and more as a, they, some of them even call it a civil rights law, which it's not. It's a very important, I would say, credit rights law, but it's not the civil rights laws that we've had you know, since the 60s. It's very different from it. So it's important that we don't you know, con confuse the issues here. They are related. A poor f fair lending record can downgrade you on CRA, but they really are two different things. And we're seeing, though, the opposites happening. They're being pushed together more and more. How is the uh, new administration impacted either one of these areas? Very, very much so. First of all, by changing uh, the re heads of the regulators, uh, if it's not been done, it will happen. For example, you know, with the OCC, uh, there's talk of bringing in clearly a, a much more consumer-friendly than industry-friendly 
person. There are a couple possibilities there. Uh, the FDIC person will she will probably remain around for the time being. Uh, clearly, the, the Treasury Secretary, uh, you know, she, which obviously uh, she controls the OCC. Uh, that that's been changed. So generally, we're going to see, which is what we see time and time again, going back to periods of regulation and deregulation. It's just a a big pendulum swinging back and forth, depending upon who's in control in the Beltway. And now we're swinging from a a pro-industry more to pro-consumer, from a a deregulatory to a more regulatory situation. And it's going to be across the board, not just in um, CRA, fair lending, but antitrust, all types of safety and soundness issues as well. Ken, can you uh, summarize the current status of CRA reform? I will start by saying in 1995, I had the pleasure of working with uh, the comptroller, Gene Ludwig. And at that time, we had four regulators, including the Federal Home Loan Bank, which came the OTS. And we had a reform. That was the first reform since the law was established in 1977. And Gene Ludwig was very successful in getting the four regulators together. There was a lot of pushback from the Federal Reserve. In fact, we had a 1993 reform. They tore it up. We came back in 94. They tore it up again. We finally finished it in 95. But all the regulators were on the same page. Now it's totally opposite. We have only three regulators. The OCC went at it alone. For a while, the FDIC was with them, but they published a final rule uh, last May. So banks that are under the OCC have a new regime. That could very easily and probably will change under the Biden administration because we have important people in Congress like Maxine Waters. They've already said they're going to overturn it, and uh, a new comptroller that would make that happen very quickly. The uh, FDIC has basically done nothing. They were originally with the OCC, and they're kind of wait and see. She's taken the very good position that, she wants her banks, the FDIC banks, to focus on the pandemic and the recession, helping the communities out of that. The Federal Reserve, meanwhile, came out with their own proposal, an ANPR, last September. This past Tuesday, the final uh, comments were due. I submitted a comment on it, a very detailed 22-page comment, which all of these are online. So basically, three regulators going at it in three different ways. OCC has a final rule out and published. The Fed has got one proposed, and the FDIC is doing nothing. Totally opposite of what we had in the last major reform in 1995, where everyone worked together. Today, everyone is working in different directions. What recommendations would you have for board member, bank board members on CRA? I guess it depends on the uh, charter and the uh, federal regulator of that particular bank. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. For example, as you know, I've been on a board of a community bank for 20 years, and uh, I find it important, and especially, you know, we've been fortunate in having seven straight outstanding ratings, but we make it a point to bring up CRA in every board meeting. I had a board meeting this morning, for example. We brought up CRA. For example, the PPP types of loans and any type of loan modifications, uh, TDRs, anything that we do to help a customer out, we make sure we will record it to help us on our CRA exam when it comes up. So it's important at the board level that there's a knowledge of how CRA works, what's going on with CRA reform, and most importantly, 
I like to see it being brought up at every meeting because when the CRA examiners come in, they want to make sure the board gets it, especially with CRA but also with fair lending. Now, for a, a typical community bank, um, is that to the board or is it to a board committee or, or both? And if it's to a board committee, what board committees do you see as being useful? I always like the idea of a CRA committee, except that when we did it originally, the FDIC wanted us to have a, a separate charter, uh, keeping minutes. It became very uh, time-consuming, so we could have, uh, you know, kind of an informal committee, an ad hoc committee to do it. As long as there's some uh, formal or informal type of uh, committee looking at it, I think it's important. Uh, it is something that is ongoing. It's not just something that we do the the quarter before the examiners come in. It's something that we do every month. And the regulators need to know that our directors are in tune with what's going on with CRA, again, and fair lending because they're being pushed closer and closer together. Ken, let, let's turn to uh, fair lending for a few minutes. Uh, I think you've used a term, I've seen the term fair banking before. So how is how is that different than fair lending? Really the same thing, but much broader. Fair lending, of course, is making sure we, we treat everyone fairly. It doesn't mean we have to say yes in every loan, but we have to give everyone the same opportunity uh, where we're going to say yes or no on a loan. It's just treating everybody equally, equal opportunity on the lending. Fair banking is broader in the sense of treating not just you know applicants or actual loans, but everyone that comes in contact with the bank, not just on lending, but on deposit products, everything else, totally equally. That basically we would treat everyone the same way we would treat a family member coming in, with no difference. And one of the big issues that we're seeing a lot now is there is a push to not just by regulators, but across the board uh, by a lot of different community groups and others, where there is a concern that the board should look more like the community. Many of the boards of our community banks, unfortunately, do not look like the communities that they're in. And and that is changing little by little. It is, it's not easy. These things take time. But that's something that is important and that board members have to be uh, aware of the importance of having not just employees and officers that look like the community, but also at the board level. Uh, Ken, can you uh, summarize uh, recent developments in fair lending? Under the Biden administration, they've already turned around much of the things that were done in the Trump administration. Again, we went from a, a deregulation to a re-regulation period. For example, at HUD, they had the disparate uh, treatment of, uh, which is one of the issues we look at in discrimination. And it was significantly weakened and changed under the Trump administration. They totally reversed that. We're probably going to see a lot more changes of things that were done under the Trump administration. Again, what we just generally call re-regulation. And we might even see more testing. And this is an area where banks have to always be uh, at the top of their game, especially we're talking at the branch level. At this time, as we're talking now, there may be testers in my bank and any bank where they'll come in and make sure everyone is treated equally, not just on a loan application, but on concerns about 
deposits, other services, that sort of thing. So we're likely to see uh, more testing and more enforcement actions at the regulatory level, not just on housing discrimination, but more broadly, fair lending and, as I said, fair banking. Ken, what's your view about the use of outside fair lending consultants? I've always been in favor of using outside consultants across the board, as long as they're experienced uh, and they're good. But in the case of fair lending, we have to be careful. Uh, there was one bank, for example, I won't go into details, but they just thought it was a small bank in a, a very upscale part of a county. And this same county had a low and moderate income area way on the other side of it. This bank only had you know, one branch in the middle of the affluent part of the county. And that's where its so-called CRA assessment area and its focus was, on its immediate area. It was a very large county. They hired an outside fair lending consultant just to make sure everything was all right. They've always gotten good reviews from the FDIC on their fair lending exams. The consultant came back with a draft report saying that they were not lending in majority-minority census tracts. They did not match up to the other banks that were in that county, really big banks like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, with 20 or 30 branches. They had but one branch. And they concluded in this report that the bank was redlining. They actually used the R word, which is very, very strong, of course, in banking. And my point was, if you're going to use a consultant like that and they're going to come up with something, always have them do the conclusions in a draft form verbally before they put them in writing. Because once that's in writing, even in a draft report, this creates a problem. This bank had to then go and hire another consultant to show that under the FFIEC uh, guidelines, that proper use of performance context, this bank was not redlining. It was doing what it was supposed to do. But it created a big problem for this bank, for this board, and cost them a lot of money, which was unnecessary. So again, consultants should be used, but used judiciously and appropriately. Ken, what are your, your thoughts on fair lending testing programs? I know you alluded to that uh, earlier, uh, whether it's a community group sending in somebody anonymously, uh, which I think might have been the case in one, the case you mentioned just now, or uh, the government uh is there a role also uh, for the banks themselves to do that? The best thing to do is to Google uh, Liberty Bank up in Hartford, Connecticut. This was a bank that had testing done on it. They weren't aware of it, of course. You're never aware that you're being tested until after it's done. Not by DOJ or a regulator or CFPB, but by a local community group. They sent in a um, husband, wife, first an African-American couple, and then maybe a couple weeks later, a week later, uh, a, a white couple asking the same questions. And the responses were unbelievably different to the point where after going through five or six different testers, they put this in a complaint with the help of a, a local you know, legal uh, advocacy group. And they actually you know, challenged the bank to sue the bank. It ended up costing the bank after they had to hire attorneys and everything else in my estimation, with the settlement, close to $20 million, not to mention the biggest loss, which was reputation risk. Nowhere were regulators involved. It was all with community groups. The point being that anybody could test you at any time. 
which goes back to my original thought that fair banking treat everybody equally always, regardless, because you never know if you're being tested, but you do have an idea afterwards that you've been tested, but it's too late then. They come in with, you know, they might be taping it even improperly with their, their phones on. They might even have video. Who knows what? And uh, some of the complaints that came out of this were just, again, Google it, and you'll, you'll see for yourself what I'm talking about. Liberty Bank in uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Ken, finally, um, any specific recommendations for board members on fair lending or fair banking uh, as to what they can do as, as distinguished from uh, management and uh, fair lending officer, et cetera? Again, I like to have fair lending and uh, CRA discussed in every meeting. I think it's important to have at least annually uh, an outside expert come in and do some type of CRA or fair lending seminar. It's difficult now, of course, with the pandemic, but it could be done with the Zoom. You know, uh, at my bank, nobody speaks for more than 20 minutes unless you're from the uh, FDIC or, you know, from a uh, one of the regulatory uh, areas. But you could have someone come in, give you an update, and I think it's important that uh, education across the board, especially now when things are being changed so rapidly, board members need to know what's going on. And it's going to change much more rapidly in the next year or so. And I think education is critical. That's what I would uh, emphasize, at least an annual seminar for both CRA and Fair Lending jointly, at least once, uh, one time for this year and next year as well. Well, Ken, thank you again for joining us. Um, this was excellent and very valuable to our members. Uh, appreciate your participation. Thank you very much. And again, uh, I always emphasize if you treat everybody the way you'd like to be treated, or the way you treat a family member, whether it's on CRA or fair lending, things should work out all right. But it's just so important to always you know, understand the regs and make sure the regulators understand that you're doing it right. Remember, we, we have no bank without capital, but this bank, our bank, every bank is there only because we have good relations with the regulators. And the regulators need to know that we understand CRA and fair lending at the board level. Very important. Thank you very much, Ken. Thank you, David.